43rd episode of the Young Turf Podcast from the Viner Fourgate Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's podcast, we're talking about the Terps' two most recent basketball games, both of which, Jordan, I don't know how you would put it, but were quite disappointing. Well, they're disappointing for different reasons, but we'll get into that more later in the episode. And as always, we'll have your full Terrapin Rundown, but before we get into that, this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin Party Rental resource. <laughs> Allied has what you need. Whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival, Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you're looking for. Wayne from Turp Talk has known Donnie and Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV today, contact Allied at 301-986-0067 or on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, now for the Terrapin Rundown. We're going to start things off on today's non-rev report. Women's basketball um, has uh, had an interesting season so far. The number 20 now, Lady Terps, for a pair of games over the last week or so. Losing to unranked Iowa, 66-61 to on the road before destroying number 24, Michigan and Ann Arbor. This is an interesting little stat here. Maryland has not put together multiple wins or losses in a row since big, starting Big Ten play, so they've flipped wins and losses every week. And uh, they return home tonight, facing off against Nebraska at 8 p.m. Uh, I don't even know what to quantify the season as, but it's hard to see it as anything but disappointment so far, at least from my eyes. Yeah, I would think that that is the case. You're talking about a team... Uh, just like I guess we're going to talk about the men's team in a minute here, uh, that started off the season top five, had final four expectations, now is not uh, doing too well come Big Ten play, but just like the men's team, they've had their struggles, their knocks against the roster for the women, some injuries, some players decided to redshirt this season. But at the end of the day, you know, you're judged by your end result, and number 20 is not where this team's supposed to be. Just like, what is it now, number 17 is not where the men's team should be. Uh, we'll see how long they're at number 17. Um, another parallel is they both have a Wooden Award finalist for the woman that's Kayla Charles. Uh, on to wrestling. Uh, Mason, how did wrestling do? Yeah, they did not perform too well in the Virginia duels hosted by Old Dominion. After a strong start defeating Fresno State, the Terps lost three straight to Ryder, Kent State, and Old Dominion. Uh, Maryland now sits in 2-7 and seven entering Big Ten play. They traveled to Michigan on Friday, rough first season for Alex Clemson, the new head coach of the wrestling team. Yeah, another uh, disappointing team. One that we hope will not disappoint, though, is gymnastics. The gymnastics Terps start conference play with the Magic against Iowa Sunday at noon. Um, for those who don't remember, they went 2-0 in their first two games, or sorry, uh, meets. Uh, but the team currently has their highest ranking ever at number eight in the national poll. We have never seen this level of expectation for the gymnastics team in Maryland history. Yeah, we haven't. This is a great thing to see here. You know, Maryland isn't in the strongest gymnastics conference. Uh, I would say that they are uh, in kind of, well, I don't even know, this is kind of a Todd question, but a middle-of-the-road one, as the Big Ten is in most sports, that's so not top tier. And they're now number eight in the country. They're competing uh, with the big boys, you know, your LSUs and your SEC teams that draw big numbers for gymnastics. You know, at the University of Georgia, when I visited there, uh, it's the second most attended sport. Uh, besides football. So you're up there now with some big-time teams with not necessarily a big-time program. Yeah, that's a great thing. Um, so, Mason, Wayne and I had a long discussion about this, but I want to hear your thoughts on the brand-new Building Champions facilities plan that I'm sure every Maryland fan has seen right now. Yeah, um, yesterday I watched um, Athletic Director Damon Evans won a Maryland address, Jordan. I don't know if you saw it. It's on YouTube. 
uh, now. It's on the Maryland Athletics YouTube page. And it's quite interesting. You know, it's all about graphs and charts, and it's like the State of the Union of Maryland Athletics. And it's kind of a very important thing because transparency is one of Damon's goals now. He, He wants to make it public what this athletic program is doing. He talked about the debt. He talked about the Building Champions campaign. He talked about the basketball practice facility and how that's going. He talked about a number of things that, as a Maryland fan, you want to know about. A lot of it was the Building Champions and how they're restructuring the debt and what they're doing with that situation, how they're really going to afford this and what they need to make it happen. And I think that's great. And the Building Champions thing is something that I know we've talked about on Turf Talk and this Turf Talk kind of greater network that we're in, whether it's Bruce on the radio or us here on the podcast or, you know, post-game shows after soccer games, that these facilities, and lacrosse games for a matter of fact, these facilities are needed. Maryland Athletics right now, and Jordan, you can comment on this from being at a, I don't even know what to quantify NDSU as, but a very high-tier football program and not a very high-tier everything-else program. And me being down here in Jacksonville, which is really just lower tier at everything, the facilities here and the locker rooms here at Jacksonville University, and I'm certain because I've seen the facilities at North Dakota State, are miles ahead of the varsity team house that Maryland has. Jordan, would you agree with that? Absolutely. The varsity team house, well, this is a little bit unique for me because only two or three years ago now, um, North Carolina State finished their giant renovation of their athletics headquarters, but we have a similar situation here where our all of our non-football stuff is essentially all of our locker rooms are in one building now, but the building is super nice. It's got hardwood floors. It's got a cafeteria across from the locker rooms. All the locker rooms are brand new. They all are customized to their sport, and it is amazing to me that Summit League, which is one of the lowest of the low revenue-generating conferences in Division One has a nicer facility than a Big Ten school is shocking to me. Yeah, it's honestly it's shameful as far as Maryland's concerned, but that's what this Building Champions campaign is about. You know, that's what they're trying to do here. And, you know, as far as the future is concerned, I think Damon's got a good vision. I think that Maryland Athletics finally has a good vision. You talk, you know, he talks about in that address that we'll go ahead and throw a link in the description of this podcast for this address that I'm referring to so much. It's about 33 minutes long. Um, it's just brightening to see because Kevin Anderson never did anything like this. Debbie Yao, it was before the time where you could just throw up a YouTube video and expect everyone to see it and post it on social media. It's just refreshing to see, you know, whether Maryland fans, you're a Maryland fan that likes Damon Evans or doesn't like Damon Evans, you have to admit the Building Champions campaign, the way that they are raising money in the In his statement, he says their large gifts department has received more donations, I think it was in the past three months, than the past five years before that. You know why? Because they're pushing the needle ahead. They figured out a way to finance this. They figured out a way to make this happen. Something that every Maryland fan has to know is an absolute mess is now solely being fixed. And that's just, you know, it kind of brings joy to me as a Maryland fan. The Jumbotron in football, that's one of the things that everyone loves to point out. They're fixing it. You know, it's a new day. They're moving it forward. This is finally a new athletic department run by a guy that is ambitious and wants this thing to work. And you know what? At least for now, we can kind of celebrate it working, even though nothing's happened yet. 
Well, at least there's a plan in place. That's better than it's been for a long time. Um, pushing ahead here, some smaller new items before we get to our uh, basketball uh, breakdowns. So Anthony Cowan named to the wooden midseason awards watch list. I'm sure everybody saw this coming. Ant also became the seventh player in Maryland history with 500 assists. I, I fully expect to see his name in the rafters after the season, Mason. It's definitely a possibility. I mean, Anthony Cowan's carried this team a lot over his time at Maryland. Uh, I think it's going to depend on if they can really make a Sweet 16 this year, if they can push something different, win a Big Ten tournament, win the, they're probably not going to win the Big Ten regular season at this point. But they got to do something, I think, to put his name up in the rafters. But, you know, as far as stats and all that, he, he deserves to be up there. Well, if he gets an All-American nod this season, which I expect, then I think he'll be up. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, ESPN has ranked Randy White as the 35th best player in college football history in their top 150 players of all time to celebrate 150 years of college football. The only Maryland player on here, but I never saw him play, Mason, but everything I hear says he was far and away the best player in Maryland history. Yeah, I think this is a abomination almost, as far as the rankings are concerned. 35th? Jordan, did you know the year before Maryland left the ACC, when it was already announced, Randy White was named the best player in ACC football history? I, I didn't know that. Um, and so I how is seen... that 35th? I haven't seen the list. Um, I don't know if there's recency bias or anything, but uh, I can't make an assessment until I've seen the list. But, yeah, it does seem a bit low. Yeah, I don't really think there's recency um, bias there because Red Grange was uh, – I think he might have been number one. Oh, I, I would totally buy that. Red Grange, in my opinion, is the best player in college history. Yeah, but I, I think that Randy got a little bit of the short end of the stick there, 35th. But – you know, at least he's on there. There there was a kind of possibility in my head that they were just going to rank, you know, quarterbacks and running backs and receivers and maybe some all-time defensive ends that made some really impactful plays um, on this list. And guys like Randy White and, you know, you can name a handful of them that are definitely some of the best players in college football history would really get, you know, like 110 through 150 would be a lot of defensive guys. But it looks like they did their some of their due diligence here. I think that this one was a little bit, Maybe a little bit. I guess it's low in this case, right? I guess I'm looking at the list as we speak. Actually, um, it's Jim Brown is best player on the list, apparently. Yeah, but Red Grange yeah. is top five, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's number six. There's a lot of running backs on here. Um, yeah, it does seem like they did. But man, there's a lot of running backs on here. Anyway, I'm getting off track here. Um, yeah, but hey, some recognition is better than none, and I kind of agree that I could see it. Um. Just them totally shafting Maryland just because we're not a top program like that. Although this list is pretty good, actually, now I'm looking at it. Anyway, we're getting way off track here. Um, on more football news, former Terp guard Terrence Davis will grad transfer to Wake Forest. Any thoughts on this, Mason? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I'll, I'll be brief on this one because we've taken up quite a bit of time on this uh, Terrapin rundown here. That's for Terrence, he wanted a change of scenery. You know, originally... The word was that he wanted to win. Now, going to Wake Forest, as all of us know, while they might be a little bit better than Maryland, well, they're a way better state than Maryland's in right now, considering they beat Michigan State in the pinstripe bowl, and I think they won nine games or eight games this season. But this obviously is not a, I want to win a championship, I'm going to go to Wake Forest. Those two don't go together. But Terrence no. wanted to change in scenery. I kind of equated a bit to um, the 
kind of player that Loxley wants, the kind of toughness that Loxley wants. I'm not saying that Terrence isn't a tough guy or really mean, rough and tough offensive lineman. Maryland could definitely use him this next year. But maybe the coaching staff wasn't necessarily the right fit with Terrence. He's been injury-plagued. He's had a rough go of things uh, in his time at Maryland, even though he's been a four-year starter. But I would have loved to see him in a Terps jersey. But, you know, Wake Forest is a great school, great graduate program, which is what he'll be entering. And he wants out. Uh, one last shot, and he's going to go ahead and take it with the Demon Deacons. I don't have a huge problem with it. Grad transferring is just a realistic thing at this point, but a little bit disappointing for me to see one of those hometown guys decide they want to go somewhere else. All right, just going back to the list one more time, Mason, I have one thing. So on the players that were in the ACC when the list when they played there, so like there's a couple of Pitt and Syracuse and Boston College guys in front of Randy White, but they don't really count towards the ACC thing. Yes. Um, there's one ACC player actually in front of him. Can you guess who it is? He is a Lamar? defensive player. Defensive player. Um, One of the all-time greatest college football players, but football players of all time. I actually have no idea who it is. It would be prime time. So Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders got put in front of him. I, I still Take think what- the ACC put him as the best player in ACC history. I, I get what you're saying. I'm and just I can't get too... just a big name. That's uh, I'm not saying that primetime wasn't good in any case. I'm not saying that he wasn't a good football player. I'm just saying that's a nod to the name of Deion Sanders. Eh, maybe you're right. Um, but that is who beat him out in the ACC list. A couple more items here. Kevin Herter recorded a near triple double the other day with the Atlanta Hawks with 23 points, 15 boards, 15 boards for Kevin Herter, and eight assists. Uh, rebounds and assists are career highs. I was talking to Wayne the other day, and he said the only person that's going to be able to keep Kevin Herter under 10 points a game is going to be Mark Turgeon. It's really looking like the case right now. Yes, it is. Uh, Kevin's taking a lot of shots right now. He's getting a great look um, in this rebuild in Atlanta. Unfortunately, Bruno, even though he was starting a NBA game two weeks ago, got sent back to the G League. Um, yeah. But Atlanta's got it going. You know, they got a lot of young pieces here. It's just going to be a matter of adding you know, more and more guys to the fact they can make the playoffs, which I think will be soon. And our last note here, former Maryland head coach Matt Canada has been named quarterback coach of the Steelers. Great for Coach Canada. Uh, A lot of Maryland players gave him big nods on social media, and great to see Coach Canada back in football. Yeah, um, this is – I think he did a good job given circumstances. I really do. I think he did a fantastic job. And I was – uh, part of me still wishes we hired him full-time, although I, I'm digging the locks era so far, although maybe not in the field results. But I really like what Canada got out of his guys. But I understand why they made the decisions they did, but he's going to end up as like a head coach for the NFL. It's going to look really bad. And that's just how it works for Maryland football. Yeah, I mean, that could be it. Uh, did you get a chance to look at Unlocked, the documentary about Maryland football? That first episode came out last night on YouTube. I really wanted to watch it. I just didn't get the chance yet. Um, I'm probably going to watch it after we do this episode, but have you seen it, Mason? Yeah, I saw it. Uh, I watched it like almost the minute that it came out. Uh, a lot of you guys knowing my Maryland football fandom would say that's appropriate. It's yeah. good. It's very well done. The Maryland football social media and video videographer, videographer staff, I should say, is just fantastic for Maryland football. Um, I believe it's Haley Temple that's running that and took a lot of the videos that are involved with that. She does a great job. I mean, you see it during the games on social media. They do a fantastic job, and this just – this is top tier. 
I mean, it's great look inside of what Coach Loxley's trying to do and really what he actually thinks. You know, a lot of people hear him constantly say what is used as, or I guess what is put as buzzwords in public, but you hear him talk to the players. It's actually him having meetings with players. It's him pieces of what he says to the team and what Keandre Jones said to the team after they uh, lost the last game at Michigan State and what he thought about that performance in that game versus the other games. It's just a inside look at actually what the process is and why they kept the coaches and why, you know, I'm kind of grabbing at it. It's not necessarily the exact description of it. It's not like someone saying, oh, why did you keep all the position coaches and him answering it. But he acknowledges some of these guys had five position coaches in their four years at Maryland. Some of them have talked to upwards of six position coaches. If you count the guys that recruited them, then that guy left, and then the next position coach recruited them, and then that guy left, and then they were actually here, and they had four different position coaches in four years. They had to keep a staff together. You can just look at it, and it starts to make sense what's happening here. And they do acknowledge constantly that the results on the field were not good, but they're building something. And you know what? In two years, we can actually see if they ever built something. But for right now, it's a great look inside the program. Oh, that's a pretty high endorsement, especially with your high standards for the sort of stuff, Mason. So I definitely have to check it out. Um, so before we dive into our bit of a mess of basketball week, anything else you want to hit? Uh, no, I think that's kind of your whip around of, of the Terps world over the past couple of days. But a lot of stuff going on, despite the fact that this is usually kind of a low period, right before spring starts, spring sports start, fall sports uh, wrapped up in this last month, and, you know, now we're in the full-on basketball season, and it is not going the way it was planned. No, so let's start off with um, our game against Iowa. To, actually, to preface that, though, um, so Wayne and I headed out to a Terrapin Times event thrown by uh, Keith Cavanaugh out in Reisterstown, Maryland, to watch this game. It was a uh, saw some cool stuff out there. They had uh, the Lombardi Trophy from the Colts Super Bowl Five win. Had Johnny Unitas MVP award. Uh, the Maryland, uh, the na- national championship ball for when Maryland won the title in 1953. Retweeted a picture of that on our social media accounts. Uh, met some cool people. Met um, a couple of Baltimore Sunriders. Uh, Kevin Sheen of uh, ESPN 980. Or what's the new name for it, Mason? The Team 980, Jordan. Thank you. Uh, I need to get on. It's been a while, but it was a really nice event. It would have been probably a lot nicer if uh, the game we watched was uh, any better. We actually ended up leaving the event early because we had an hour and a half drive home and the game was over at the eight-minute timeout. Um, but this game was just horrendous in every facet for Maryland. It was one of the worst performances that she has put out in at least a couple of seasons. The Terps were actually, I think, up like 20 to 19 or somewhere around there. Like, they were in this game for the first 10 minutes or so. But after that, I mean, they just fell apart. They had a stretch in the first half where they didn't get a field goal for like six minutes. It was painful to watch. And, of course, to some extent, of course, the guy who really poured it on for us and really killed us down the line was the D.C. native, Luca Garza, who had 21 points and 13 rebounds and – a lot of people are going to trash Sticks, but Sticks actually did okay job. It's just the team as a whole did not function well. Yeah. And it was almost unlike anything I've seen from Maryland this season. Like, the team just didn't look ready to play at all. Or actually, I'm going to change that. They did, and then they didn't. 
It's ridiculous. You know, I, I've kind of had it with this. And I'm going to be honest right now. Game on a Friday night at 7 o'clock. Who wants to watch that? You know, for the longest time, I lived in a house that was Maryland-based. And there there wasn't much. You know, that's what we did you know, as a family. It was a whole whole situation was that we're going to sit down and watch the game on a Friday night. I've now gone somewhere else. There are not Maryland fans around here. Not that I can find. And I still did it. I was invited to go do things, but no. No, 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 no. I sit here and I watch this team. And what do they do? They lose. And how do they do it? The exact way that I hate watching the most, Jordan. They look yeah. unprepared. They look unready to do anything. They're they're just lacking in overall basketball IQ, I think that's the word that I'm going to use right now. I've just had it. It's just done. It is it absolute frustrating throwing things at, you know, it's just like if it was an NCAA tournament game or a game against a team that I really don't like, and I do not like Coach McCaffrey. I'll say that right now. I've met the guy in person, do not like him. It's just, it's like I didn't even know what I was watching anymore. They looked competent, and then suddenly, like, I guess Iowa made a few adjustments, and they looked absolutely lost. Against Iowa. We're not talking about Iowa football. We're talking about Iowa basketball. We are supposed to be, at this point, the way that Indiana's been the past few years, we are supposed to be the premier basketball program of this conference. You can talk about if Maryland's just in it because they have Big Ten alumni and there's Big Ten money here and there's money to be made for the conference. Maryland, unlike Rutgers, brings something to the table, and it's supposed to be this basketball program. And you know what? Barstool's right. They call Maryland the biggest fraud in college basketball year after year. It's true. This team fails every single year to win games like this. And Wisconsin game was just another one. It doesn't matter what the, how the result happened. It matters about wins and losses. When you look at this game in four years or when Turgeon's contracts are up, there's an L next to it. It doesn't matter how stupid they look winning it or how good they were when they lose. They lose. And I'm just sick and tired of it because we're supposed to be we're supposed to be the best team in this conference this year or the second best, and we're 3-3. Three and three. You know what I say to that, Jordan? Uh, useless. Um, They're useless okay. at winning games on the road. Well, I'm not going to dispute most of that. That is all true. And one of the most frustrating parts of this, I really agree with, is it feels like we're frauds at this point. We were number three at, the, at one point in this season. I'd be surprised if we're not ranked next week, honestly. They shut down the best scoring player in college basketball. Where's that team? Where's that readiness? Where's that toughness? Nowhere to be found. Oh, just clarify, he's referring to Marcus Howard of Marquette. Um... Like, I don't know. I don't know what to say. There's not much else to say about this game. This run really just sucked to watch and I think lit a fire near the fan base yet again that this is happening. And before we get into more grand themes, which we do have here, this Wisconsin game, despite the fact, yes, we lost and in the end that's all that matters, they did look better in this game. You can't dispute that. No, um, you can't. I'll go back and say that. Say that. All right. I'll give you that one. But the team came out... Hold on, hold on. I got one more thing to say before you move on. Okay. This is not the football team. We, When we lose to Ohio State by one in football, we can be a little happy. All right? I'll give it that. That's a great game. That's a big step forward for our program. This team was ranked number three. 
And when Jordan, when you say they look better when they lose, this is supposed to, this team, considering the landscape of college basketball right now, the way I see it, could be and should be, given their schedule, the number one team in the country. They I'm, have not no gonna, I'm not going to argue with that. Who should have beat them? Somebody please tell me. Who should have beat Maryland basketball this year? Seton Hall? No. How many losses do they have? They have four losses right now? Well, they, they, they're a good team. They beat number five Butler on the road last night, but they didn't have their two best players when they played them. Okay, Maryland should have beaten Seton Hall. I think that everyone yes. can agree with that. Maryland yeah. should have beaten Iowa. They're not the best team. Maybe you lose that one, all right? I'll give them that one. They could still honestly be number one if they lost to Iowa. But they should have beaten Wisconsin. Who else did they lose to? Penn State's another one. They should have beaten them. I mean, Penn State's a pretty yeah. good basketball team. But really, you should not go out on the road against Penn State and just play the way they did. I'm not saying they should be undefeated right now. Maybe they're supposed to be a two-loss team right now, not a four-loss team right now. But let's face it. This team is astronomically underperforming right now. And it's not – I know I just said it's a, a loss is a loss, but it frankly, it is the way they lose when they, when they do lose. Because when they win, they look fairly good. When they lose, they look like they just have no idea what they're doing. I like yeah. the players this team has. I feel like they have so many high potential guys, and that's really what kills it for me. It's just a miss. It's just a terrible coaching job. That's the... look at it straight in the eyes. That's what it is. But continue, please. I know I'm ranting. All right. Well, this Wisconsin game was the team started off fairly flat. Again, I mean it wasn't as bad as it could have been though because the defense really did hold up well. And that's something else I'd like to talk about a little bit later is how the, is the defense versus offense and how they traveled. But just focusing on this game, it was 28 to 20 at halftime. And it really felt like I was talking to some people on social media and texting with some others that it really felt like we were going to win this game because Wisconsin was kind of on fire. We were not hitting anything in the first half. We were losing by eight points. It was clear that we were had better talent and we could win this game. And that's what happened. We came out firing in the second half. We took the lead. We held it for almost the entire second half. Wisconsin kind of crept back in the game, but you're still thinking, okay, it's okay. I mean, they're on the road. Wisconsin's not a bad team, per se, and we're still going to win this game. And it really, really looked like that until with about a minute left. So there's two things I want to talk about. With two minutes and three seconds left in the second half, there was a ball, I believe, on offensive board for Wisconsin that clearly, clear as day, went out in the Wisconsin player that got called – Wisconsin's ball and it was a horrible call they were talking about it on the broadcast like that was a call you can't miss and the fact it happened with two minutes three seconds left versus two minutes when they could have reviewed it was a huge one um that call in itself made me wonder really for real for the first time wonder if there's if we're biased against the big 10 because that was a abysmal call to make yep um that was and that one came back to bite us because they scored in that possession. So I don't know what you think about Mason, but that, that was a I, – I could not help but wonder after that one. Yeah, I mean, things happen. You know, games get changed in, by, by calls, and a lot of them are awful. Let's be frank. I mean, there's a lot of game-changing calls, and some of them you're like, eh, that could have been a foul. This is one of the times where you look at it and you're like, you got to be effing kidding me. Again? Like, it's it's happened to Maryland more than once. I don't like that it gives fans and people excuses for what this team's results are, but it was a game-changing play. I don't really know what else to say about it, but, yeah, they got hosed by the refs a little bit. 
a little bit. But then, again, it's one of those games where you have to look ahead again because so Maryland pull, has a stop. Okay, they, they're winning by one point. They get the ball back. They call a timeout. They were still winning. It was like, I don't remember how much time's left, but like, I don't know, 20 seconds or something left. And you're thinking, all right, well, we got the ball. We just got to get to Talon or Wiggins, and they'll make a f- their free throws, and we'll be fine. But then one of the worst sequences I think I've ever seen as a Maryland fan happens, and it starts with Daryl Morsell making a very ill-advised pass to Anthony Cowan, who was triple-covered, and my least favorite player in the Big Ten, Brad Davidson, making a very, very smart play to get the ball off Daryl Morsell. And I was going blowing my top at this point, Mason. I don't know about you. Yeah, my top would, would be considered blown by this game. I'll give you that one. So that's, that's part like, one of our nightmare sequence. Part two is... Whoa, wait, hold on. Okay. It's just something about when they play these games at nine and it's like 11-something and I'm still up watching it. And given that I stay up like that late every night, I will give myself that. But it's like... I just want this team to win. I don't really care. You know, I'm not a huge Turgeon guy. I don't really, really care if Mark Turgeon is the coach. I am a Maryland fan. And just like that video they play at the beginning of the games where they say, you know, Mark Turgeon found his home on our sidelines. I just want this team to win. For once. Pull these games out. Just get it done. And it really, like, it hurts me even to talk about this because of how much I care about this team and how long I've watched and how many games I've been to. And I've traveled across the country to watch Maryland games. And I've seen them win national championships, unfortunately not in football or basketball, but in other sports. It's just depressing when they lose. And it feels like I watch the same thing, especially when it comes to when they play Wisconsin, the same thing over and over and over again. We're playing a team that's based on toughness, grit. They have, like, zero star players, and they beat us. Every single time in close games they win just sad yeah it really is and we all know what happens next uh Durham-Morsel gets killed in a screen and uh, Davidson hits a three-pointer and Maryland fires up a three and doesn't make it you know how it happens um that may have been Durham-Morsel's worst 30 seconds of the turp uh, he really just I know he got screened on the last on the buzzer beater but like he ran right into it like he did not handle that well at all um, I, I don't know. I, I like Jared Morseau a lot, but man, he really uh, did not handle himself well in those last minute or so. We really just lost this game. Poor situational coaching at the end of the game. Poor basketball IQ seems to become a theme now. I, I don't even, I'm kind of at a loss for words for this team. Like, I just expected more, and I don't know why anymore. Like, Jordan, I'm sure you feel the same thing, and I'm sure everyone listening to this feels the same thing. I don't know why we all expect more out of these Turgeon coach teams, but we do. And every time I'm sitting here with literally a blank stare on my face watching myself record this thing, and I'm just like, why am I talking about this again? Why can we not win once? One time! It's like in movies or TV in real life or whatever you want to point to it where somebody just loses and they lose and they lose and they're just like, why can't I win once? That's how I feel right now. We just can't get it done. It just doesn't happen. Because I grew up watching Gary Williams coach teams. 
And I'm not talking about Gary versus Mark or any of that stuff. I'm talking about the look in the players' eyes when they just want to beat the other team, and they know whether it's they're not as talented as them or, they, or they're more talented than them. I don't really think that matters. It's not that. It's that every play, I want to beat the other team, and I want to beat them so bad because, you know, if you're Anthony Counter, Jalen Smith, I grew up watching this team. I want to make them win. I want to be that person. There's one guy on that court that I see that from. Morcel gives it 100%, but Morcel is not a very mean player. It's Anthony Cowan. He's the only guy that I see that this man wants to win, and he wants to win for Maryland. You know, we can talk about the same conversation. I know we have it a lot on this podcast about fight for Iowa and all these guys that play with the heart for their state and the passion for their school. Our guys just don't have it. At this point, I gave Mark Turgeon this chance. I thought this team could make it far. They just don't have it. And I don't know if it's Mark Turgeon, it's the players, or if it's the way the university is run anymore. Who knows what the reason is. But at this point, they're just not winning. This conference is too tough for them. They are outmanned. Outmuscled, and they don't really have a big man. Troll is good, but he's he's thin as a stick. It's just it's time that we really look at this in the face, and we're going to see that we're not ranked if we started the season off. What what did they start the season, Jordan? Number five. Numbers. They started the season number seven. They got as high as number three. Just sad. Sad. I feel like Stephen oh. A. Smith of Maryland. Just sad. <laughs> and I am as oh. happy as he is when the Cowboys lose. So maybe I am turning into him. Well. I mean, there were some positives here. Sticks had another great game, 18 points, 2 of 3 from deep, 9 rebounds. Cowan, again, did his thing, 16 points. So Wiggins finally had a good shooting day, which I thought was going to push it over the top. But Eric Ayala, Scott, and Darren Marcel only had two points each. They got nothing out of them. I mean, I don't know how this has happened. I don't know if this is design or just what's happened, but... It has really come down to Sticks and Cowan tend to have good games, and the rest of the team just fades. And I, I don't know if that's the, what we're trying to do is get them more involved, but if it's sacrificing everybody else's productivity, it's not worth it. Like, I do not understand how we can't have a good team performance here. It's either seems like those two succeed or the rest of the team does okay, but they both can't happen at the same time. Yep. Yep. And, I don't know what to – I mean – as I just said, I'm kind of at a loss for words for this. At this point, it's like, I don't even know what to say anymore. We cannot put together one defined effort. It's like they need like business consultants to come in and say, what is our vision? Because obviously they have a lack of one. Jordan, I know you take these classes in college right now. You're in your like, last semester. Well, that's but you know, the second to last semester, but yeah. You know how people talk about vision and mission statements and how all that stuff seems like a load of crap? But it's not. But I've it's not. That. Exactly. And they lack vision. They lack playing as one team. They lack – it almost seems like – and I know they don't because I know everyone in there wants to win. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Coach Turgeon, all the assistants, all the support staff, all of them want to win. It's easy to come up with that end goal. It's how you get there and the program that you put together that breeds winning people. It's not if they can win on the basketball court. And I know it sounds like Randy Etzel right now. It's if you can build a winning culture in a winning person that then has the skills on the basketball court to execute your game plan. And it's just a lack of leadership. I don't know if it's from the top. I don't know if it's from the athletic director down. But it certainly seems like Damon Evans has an idea of what he's doing and he's doing those things. So at this point, it points to the coach. I agree, and um, my parting word is, hey, Scott Drew has Baylor at number two. I'm just saying. 
I ain't looking too bad right now. Uh, Jordan just wants to raid Baylor now. They already lost Matt Rule, and now Jordan wants Scott Drew. You can get a Baylor Bears to number two in the country, beating Kansas on the road. I mean, that's pretty dang impressive to me. That, at this point, is an athletic department, Jordan, and you know what they build? What? Winning teams. Because I'm pretty sure they won the volleyball championship, too. I think I think you're right. I know they had a huge, um, I think this was them, they had like a monster game where they beat Oklahoma in wrestling. And then from a sellout crowd or something like that. I think that was Baylor. I was actually just going to say, you know, as good as they are, they have trouble still selling tickets for football, yeah. basketball, for literally everything. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, they're playing in front of like half empty crowds as number two. I'm sure we could woo, woo um, him away with our number 19 sellouts when we're naturally underachieving. But that's way of getting ahead of ourselves. Play Purdue next. And Purdue had a monster win over Michigan State. So... You know what? Let's see how that goes. Yep. My parting words for this podcast will be, I will take Mark Turgeon, and this is, no, this is not a joke. I'm actually saying this. For the facilities to be upgraded that needs to happen, I will take Mark Turgeon for the next five years. The building champions <sighs> campaign and the facilities that this athletic department is trying to build right now are more important than anyone's coach in the short run. I will agree with that, and that is really hard pill for a lot of people to swallow, but I 100% agree with that. And really, I would love to have a discussion about that, so if you want to argue with us about that, you can hit us on Twitter, at YoungTerp1, and Jordan, sadly, it is, what is today's actual date? January 16th, and we are talking yep. about another underachieving basketball team in conference play, but we'll have more on that, hopefully maybe a positive podcast after this Purdue game. Okay. I'm just going to say... You have Purdue at home. We play well at home. You we have do lose to Purdue a lot at home. I will give them that. That's a team that beats them at home. We have Northwestern after. Northwestern is the worst team in the Big Ten. If you lose to Northwestern on the road, I am going to have a meltdown of epic proportions. You cannot lose to Northwestern. I'm excited for them to play Northwestern. You know why, Jordan? I, I actually don't know why. Because they have a new stadium? No. They have a guy by the name of Pat Spencer. One of the best lacrosse players probably in the past decade. I uh, played for Loyola. He's now starting for Northwestern. In basketball? Yeah. I did not know that, actually. That's pretty cool. So that that's going to be something cool to watch for all of us lacrosse fans out there. But, yeah, I guess that's a wrap for this podcast. Pretty sad one. Well, if you lose two games in a row that you should have won, then that's what's going to happen. Um, I'm not going to say it's too late to turn the season around. We have a Quite a few games left, but I think for a lot of people, the clock's really ticking now. This was the team that needed to do something for the Trojan era to succeed, and so far it's not happening. Yep, I'll agree with you that there, Jordan. This has been a kind of disastrous week for this team, but hopefully we can get it turned around, and they have some opportunities to do so against Purdue. Uh, it's a stripe out at Xfinity Center. Make sure to wear your section's color. There's maps all over Twitter for that. And, yeah, get a win against Northwestern, and suddenly you're somewhat back on track. But we got to take this game by game moving forward. So we'll be back here on the Young Terps podcast after the Terps hopefully take down Purdue at Xfinity Center. And that game is at Saturday. Jordan, what time is it? That is Saturday at 2 p.m. ESPN 2. They put it on Saturday instead of Sunday because we got the conference championships for the NFL on Sunday. Uh, Darnell Savage, by the way, I forgot to mention this, got um, named to the all rookie team for um, the NFL. So good for him. Hats off to another Terp doing well in the pros. 
And what, Jordan, did Stefan Diggs have almost half the Vikings yard single-handedly on one catch against the 49ers? Yeah, um, we'll get as I mentioned, we're going to get to all the playoff action once we all get once we get eliminated, all the traps go out. And Darnell Savage is last one standing at this point, and um, I have him losing. So maybe we'll get to that on Sunday, but we'll see. All right, and as always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Viner Four Gates and Rockville, for all of your business IT needs. Viner Four Gates is your place to go. You can reach them on the phone at 301-251-2900 or on the web at the number one viner.com. And Ally Party Rentals. For all of your party rental needs, big or small, Allied is the perfect place to go. Tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories. They have it all. You can reach them at 301-986-0067 or on the web at AllyPartyRentals.com. And as always, thanks for listening and make sure to follow us on Twitter at YoungTurpa1.